So over time, I ended up coming to the idea that, you know, I could use calories and macronutrients as a guide to shifting the habits. Welcome to the Rebel Health Coach Podcast with Tom Underwood. Armed with truth and knowledge, your journey to a healthy lifestyle can be obtained. Preventative wellness, quality nourishment, and daily fitness routines dramatically improve your outlook on life as a whole. And you'll find the support and info you need to accomplish a healthier lifestyle here. Together, we can empower each other along our journey to an amazing you. Today, I have joining me, Matt Walrath. Thank you for coming back on. I want to, we had a little block, a little air on my end the last time we recorded this. So Matt was gracious enough and and I am really grateful for you coming back on. Yeah, you're very welcome, man. He is the owner of nutrition company uh, Beyond Macros, a service that helps People who do CrossFit get leaner, stronger, perform better. And he has completed in the CrossFit Games in California Regionals twice, is an expert in navigating the grocery store, or is now traveling the world teaching nutrition. And he's actually today in Sydney, Australia? Yeah. So that's awesome. I, I really dig what you're doing. And hey, Matt also is now the host of a podcast called Beyond Macros Podcast, and it's an amazing podcast. If you're interested in macros and, and overall health and wellness, I, I suggest you listen to this his podcast. Matt, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself and how you got into, I know you're an FDN graduate also, correct? Correct. So how did you get into this part of the realm of, of the health and wellness industry? Yeah, so for me, uh, once I got into nutrition coaching, you know, initially I made the rookie mistake of giving people meal plans and I just realized <laughs> all of the issues with that, you know, people would be like, oh, you know, I went out to dinner the other night and I couldn't eat that nice dinner that you had planned for me and I ate pizza or, you know, they'd finish maybe six to eight weeks of a meal plan and then all of a sudden they'd be like, okay, what's the next meal plan look like? Rather than, oh, you know, I've learned so much from that meal plan you gave me and now I know how to make my own food decisions. So I really just was looking for a way to teach people the underlying principles in regarding nutrition and really help them develop eating skills. So I started taking a little bit more of a habit-based approach that was unmeasured. And that, I think, helped people learn some of the basic eating principles a little bit better, but they didn't get the short-term results that they did with the meal plan. So I had kind of both sides of the spectrum. It was like with the habit-based approach, people weren't getting those fast results. Sometimes they weren't getting that buy-in and that adherence. Whereas with the meal plans, people would get those short-term results. But then as soon as the meal plan was over, you know, they really didn't know what to do. So over time, I ended up coming to the idea that you know I could use calories and macronutrients as a guide to shifting the habit. So I kind of got the best of both worlds where you know I could get people that short-term result, which would lead them to, to buy in and want to learn more. And by doing that, you know, once they got that buy-in and wanted to learn more and kind of understood the eating habits they needed to form and had a good solid foundation, they would have that long-term transformation. And so that's why I've landed in that arena. Okay. I mean, let's face it, whether you're a clean eater, a junk food eater, a, a vegan, vegetarian, paleo, whatever kind of eater you are, 
they all consist of the same three micro or macronutrients, carbs, proteins, and fats. Correct? Yes, correct. You can break down a pizza into carbs, you know, so or whatever for that matter. We're going to dive into macros today. Is Since we're in the new year, everybody's looking for a diet or a fast way to get lose the weight or a way to lose weight, period. I, I, I firmly believe that counting macros is probably, in my opinion, to your point, is one of the easiest and best ways to count, to, to feed your body. Why count macros versus calories? Yeah. So the thing is that I tell people is with calories, what you can do is you're, chain, you're, you're manipulating your energy balance. So your energy balance is just the calories that you take in minus the calories that you put out. So taking in food, putting out via metabolism, exercise, just activity throughout the day. Now, in order to lose weight, you need to be at a calorie deficit. Your energy balance needs to be negative. What that means is your calories in needs to be less than your calories out. And what that energy deficit does is it causes you to lose mass. The reason I say lose mass, not lose fat, is because if you don't have the macronutrient balance correct and you don't have some of the other lifestyle things correct, then you might not lose fat. You might That muscle mass might be the thing that's attributing for a decent amount of your mass loss. Um, so you might lose some muscle, you might also lose some fat. Whereas if you have your macronutrient balance correct, if you're doing some of the things in the, the lifestyle arena to make sure that you're low stress, sleeping well, you know, exercising correctly, then you can actually gain some muscle while you're losing some fat at a calorie deficit. Now, I'm saying that because making sure that you're eating enough protein, especially, tends to be the key uh, in addition to calories to making sure that you're maintaining or gaining muscle and then getting the fat and the carbohydrate balance correct based off of your energy needs, based off of, you know, what you're doing activity-wise and what your body's ability to tolerate carbohydrates are, that's why macros is a bit more powerful. Plus, each macronutrient has its own calorie load. So protein and carbohydrates have four calories for every gram, and fat has nine calories for every gram. So by counting your macros, you are also counting your calories. Okay. Where do sugars fit in when you're taking in when you're counting macros? Yeah, generally, I will look to shift people towards eating the right macronutrient balance. And sometimes I'll find that when they do that, they will end up eating a little bit too much sugar. So then from there, I'm trying to cut the sugary foods away. So I get them to the right macro balance. And then from there, it's like, okay, now you're eating these sugary foods. Let's start by replacing maybe one per meal. So let's say breakfast, you've been eating some Greek yogurt with fruit on the bottom. And there's just a bunch of sugar added in there. Plus there's the sugar of the fruit and someone's breakfast looks really high sugar. Then I'm going to get them to cut it out just because as far as the, the health goes, we really don't want people uh, to be eating too much sugar. We definitely don't want it to be more than 10% of their energy expenditure or sorry, energy intake. Okay. So 10% of your energy intake for sugars. Yeah, less okay. than that would be ideal. But one of the things we do find is that for our athletes, um, especially the ones that are eating a good amount of fruit, then I'm really looking to identify and eliminate any uh, any sources of sugar where it's added sugar, where it's processed sugar, cane sugar, something like that. Um, but for them, especially the athletes, you know, sugars from fruit and uh, even starch sugars can be a decent fuel source if they have a pretty high intensity and volume. Okay. 
to your point about losing muscle mass, I found myself halfway through last year doing a lot of cardio and I lost a lot of weight, but I started to lose muscle mass along with it. And now I'm working on your system to try and, and correct that. Let's break down the macros in a little, into a little bit more detail. What's the role of proteins in your body and why are they important? Yeah, proteins have some structural roles as far as building up muscle tissue and some other tissues of the body. So they're really important for making sure that you know those structures are there and intact. Um, they also have some functional roles. So for example, amino acids, which are the building blocks of proteins, make up so there's some amino acid-derived hormones. For example, adrenaline and noradrenaline. Anytime that you've done a workout and you've got those coursing through your veins, you know what they are. Uh, they they kind of help your body with energy metabolism. Now, there's also what people know as the sleep hormone, melatonin. That's also an amino acid-derived hormone. So we've got some hormones that uh, proteins make up. We've also got enzymes. You have all these chemical reactions that need to go on in your body, especially when you're exercising to create or regenerate energy. And enzymes are essentially the key that unlocks those chemical reactions. So those also can come from amino acids. But yeah, proteins from a dietary perspective are really important if you exercise because your body has a limited supply of amino acids that it keeps in these amino acid pools. So when you exercise, your muscles are turning over their proteins or their amino acids and they need a supply. So they can kind of tap out that amino acid pool that you have, but they really need you to be taking in some protein via diet in order to make sure that you've got enough amino acids available to regenerate the muscle tissue and some of the functional components within the muscle cells in order to be able to do work better next time. So they really help you make exercise adaptations. Um, so it's really important to get them in from diet. Okay. Let's go. To, next one will be carbs. I, you know, what, what is the role of carbs in our body? And a little bit the right carbs versus the bad carbs. Yeah. So carbohydrates, I really like to get people thinking of as it's really just think about it as an energy source. Um, it's a nice external energy source that you can take in. Your brain is a pretty needy organ. So the brain is going to use at rest about 20% of your energy intake and it prefers glucose or carbohydrate. If carbohydrate is in the system, your brain's going to use it. Now, if you're starving or if you're super carb restricted, then your brain can run on ketones. Uh, most people probably know ketones now because of the ketogenic diet. But then if you do any high intensity exercise, for example, if you're doing any high intensity interval training, if you're doing CrossFit, if you're doing any, uh, so any weightlifting where the time under tension maybe lasts more than 10 seconds, then your body's energy systems are mostly going to be using carbohydrates uh, for that exercise. And it needs to be, pretty much that carbohydrate needs to be locally stored in the muscles. So your body for those types of training, the energy systems it's using primarily rely on carbohydrate. So they're really an important energy source. And if anybody has ever, for example, gone in to work out in the morning and then they get to work and maybe 10 a.m. and or like 2 to 4 p.m. they've crashed. Well, sometimes it's just because you've depleted some of that carbohydrate in your system during exercise and then you haven't put enough back in. And like I mentioned, your brain's a needy organ. So if there's nothing available for it, then you know, you're probably going to have a little bit of those crashes at certain times. 
But yeah, as far as good carbs and bad carbs go, I don't necessarily like to give them that label because, for example, what might be a bad carb for a sedentary person might be a really good fuel source for an athlete. Uh, but for the most part, you know, if you are somebody who's just, you know, you're exercising, you've got life responsibilities like kids, job, you know, family, whatever it happens to be, and maybe you get into three, four, five exercise sessions per week and you know you're not super super active outside of that then your good carbs are probably going to be the ones that come from whole foods because especially if you're looking to lose fat uh, because it takes a little bit more energy for your body to break those down they digest a little bit slower so blood sugar control is going to be a little bit better with those foods and then also you know if you're not eating as much as an athlete, you need to make sure that you're getting enough of your micronutrients in, so your vitamins and minerals. And those foods that are going to be you know, a little bit more fibrous, like fruits, vegetables, and even legumes, for example, uh, or nuts and seeds, they're going to break down into blood sugar a little bit slower, so they'll be good for that reason, but they're also just loaded with vitamins and minerals. So it's really important to take the micro into consideration with the macro. Now, f- the, the fats. The fats get a bad rap uh, or they used to get a bad rap. That's kind of reversing itself as we go into the, the century and the ketogenic diet's all the rage, but I, 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 the ketogenic diet has a, has a purpose. But wh- what about fats and what are their role in our body and what should we know about them? Yeah, man, fats are, fats are special. Uh, so one thing that I like to tell people is that fat is an organ in your body. So it's an organ that it excretes uh, hormones or secretes hormones, which is pretty cool. It also insulates you, you know, keeps your body temperature regular. And it's one of the largest energy stores that you have, unless, you know, for example, your body fat was something you could count on one hand. Um, then maybe carbohydrates your biggest energy store, but yeah, fats our biggest energy store in our body, and we use it for energy, uh, especially for the the lower intensity stuff like just walking around your house. Fats also can make up the like if you think about your nervous system like being this this set of wires that goes out through the body and sends signals. Well, it's the insulation in those wires that allows it to send a good signal. So there's this insulation called myelin around the nerves, and it's mostly made up of fats, uh, saturated fats, for example. So if you don't eat enough fats, then you know you might be sacrificing nervous system health, and that's important for a number of reasons, including like if you're interested in lifting a little bit more weight, or if you're interested in acquiring new skills, then those are nervous system adaptations, and you want to make sure you've got uh, what's necessary for a healthy brain and nervous system tissue. Fats also, and fat-containing foods, contain a lot of the precursors or the ingredients that make up uh, the hormones that then, or the hormone that then becomes uh, your steroid hormones, your sex hormones, your testosterone, uh, which is actually the primary steroid hormone for men and women, and estrogen and progesterone as well. So, uh, you know, there's definitely a, a hormonal input there as well. So, they're super important. And as far as the ketogenic diet goes, you know, that's a diet for people who don't know where fat is turned up really high, carbohydrates are turned down ultra low, and then protein is kind of moderate. Uh, the way that I describe that diet is it's definitely a hammer, and some people are a nail and some people are glass jars. <laughs> that's a good analogy. That's a yeah. really good analogy. I like that one. I've never heard that's a good one. You can that's awesome. <laughs> is there a hierarchy of importance for macros? 
Um, somebody actually just asked me this yesterday, and I don't think that there's necessarily a macro that's more important than the other. It's kind of like, what's your most important organ, your liver, your heart, or your brain? It's more that I think that there are ones that should take priority when you're making a decision or you're faced with a food decision. So for example, most people, since this is coming out in the new year, most people probably just went through a situation where they were traveling and didn't have a ton of control over their food. So in those types of situations, I might get a client to really focus in on protein. Because as I mentioned, if you get your calorie balance correct, you could lose mass, you could gain mass, you know, you can maintain your mass. But if your protein is wrong, then that mass loss might be from muscle or that mass gain might not be from muscle if the protein's wrong. So I usually get people focused in on that when they have a little bit less control. I also like to kind of start there because again, it's really one of those things that can ha- it's kind of loaded. It can help with satiety. So you might, if you're eating enough protein, not eat as many calories when left to your own devices. Um, there's a bunch of things that eating protein foods uh, can really benefit. So I usually start there. It's not that it's the most important, but it's a really, you know, it's really the top priority for me. Okay. All right. That's a good place to start. Yeah. To sign up for my monthly newsletter, text RHCP. That's Rebel Health Coach Podcast or Red Hot Chili Peppers to 22828. Again, that's RHCP to 22828. Thank you and have an awesome day. I printed out your sheet. How does one decide how to balance their macros? And I guess... What's the easiest way to calculate the macros for like a normal person, not a CrossFitter, just or or a person that works out? I work out quite a bit. I don't do CrossFit. Well, I've just got pulled into there a little bit, which <laughs> I, I I like. Uh, how do, how do, how does one decide where to start when with macros? Yeah, well, like you mentioned, we have that worksheet on our website. On um, you know, we have that. Uh, that post that's everything you need to know to calculate and count your macros. You know, it has a CrossFit spin on it because we focus on CrossFitters in our marketing. But no matter who you are, you know, that that calculator would work for you or that worksheet would work for you. Now, that one is based off of people being able to do simple math and using my fitness pal which has you doing macro percentages. When I'm calculating macros for clients, I'm doing it kind of in an absolute way where I'm like, okay, you know, this person weighs this much, so they need this many grams of protein. And from there, I determine their exercise and figure out how many carbs that necessitates and then make sure that their fat is in a healthy range when, you know, I calculate what's left over. Uh, But that worksheet pretty much just takes into account, okay, what's your body type? So if you're the type of person who, you know, you growing up could eat an entire dozen donuts and then, you know, just inhale a pint of Ben and Jerry's ice cream and you're still that person and it just wouldn't put any weight on your body, then you'd be a hard gainer. So you're probably going to want a macronutrient ratio that is a little bit higher in carbohydrates, especially if you're looking to put on some mass, uh, a little bit more moderate in the fat and moderate in the protein. So really the best starting place, I think, if we take it back a step is what I found is if people can eat about a gram of protein per pound of body weight or 2.2 grams of protein per kilogram of body weight, depending on where you're from, 
then that's a good minimum number. That's going to make sure that if you're looking to lose weight, you're not going to lose muscle. And that's going to make sure that, you know, even if you're looking to gain mass, that we've got the basis covered. Uh, so that's a really good place to start with protein. And then from there, figuring out kind of the, the carbon fat balance, it really depends on body type. So like I mentioned, a hard gainer, right. they might eat somewhere in like the 40 to 50% carbohydrate range, which might then put them in like the 25 to 30% uh, fat range. Now, somebody who is the opposite, they walk past the donut shop, get a whiff of a donut and put a pound on, then that person is an easy gainer. Uh, they probably don't to- tolerate carbohydrates very well. So they might want their carbohydrates as low as 25%, maybe up to 35%, depending on you know how much intensity of exercise they're doing. And then from there, the rest they're going to want from fat. So their fats might be as high as like maybe 30 to 40%, depending on what their, their protein and their carbohydrate looks like. And then somebody who's like me, where if I'm training and eating a bunch of food, then I'm probably going to put on some good muscle mass. But if I'm not training as frequently and I'm not eating as much, then I'm going to end up losing mass. You know, I'm considered a mesomorph. So for me, eating a nice balance of food is going to be really good. So for me, I tend to stick to about 40% of my intake coming from carbs, making sure that I eat plenty of protein and then probably about 30%, maybe sometimes some days up to 40% of my food intake is coming from fats. Okay. Yeah. Now you mentioned MyFitnessPal. So yeah. that's, a, that's an easy app and you, everybody can get it for free. But do you have to go in and set your own levels? Because I know a lot of people go in there and, and say, I want to lose 10 pounds and MyFitnessPal will adjust it accordingly. But I, I also know from my personal use that you can go in and set your own levels. Yeah. Do you recommend people do that? Yeah, I would recommend that people calculate their own and then set their own levels. Because anytime that you're using a calculator like that, um, it's not really able to take into account a lot of the factors that are important when considering your macronutrient intake. And so I think it makes sense. You can just... If you're familiar with MyFitnessPal, go into the settings, you go to your goals, and then there's a space for calorie and macronutrient goals. So if you've calculated your calories and macronutrients, for example, using that post on our website, then you can just change your calories to whatever the calories you calculated were, and then you can just change the percentage of each macronutrient to whatever the goals you set there were, and then it'll do all the calculations for you. But yeah, for example, if you went in and you were like, I want to lose 10 pounds in three weeks, my fitness pal is going to put you at a pretty extreme deficit. And what I found is when you go at that kind of extreme deficit is you're almost guaranteed to lose muscle throughout the process and you can cause a persistent, so a long-term negative adaptation in your metabolism. So you might see that your body, if it normally spends 2,000 calories and you're eating 1,000 because you want to lose weight super fast, then your body might not perfectly rebound back up to that 2000 calorie energy expenditure. So then you're kind of stuck on the hamster wheel of having to exercise more and eat less regularly. And that can be a really frustrating thing. You know, if you fall off the wagon, you're more prone to that big yo-yo effect. Right. And I think a lot of people that do a lot of people that do that extreme deficit gain the weight back rather quickly. So you might lose the 20, 30 pounds in a month or 10 pounds in a month or 15 pounds in a month. But the gain is going to be so fast back that it's going to be counterproductive. So, 
Yeah. Okay. What are some of the common errors people make when counting macros? Man, one of the most common ones that I see is they treat every day as a new puzzle. So they don't really create any consistent habits through the process of counting the macros. And some days they'll have like 20 grams of fat left over. So it's like, oh, what do you do? Do you, you know, you don't have any protein, you don't have any carbohydrates. So do you drink coconut oil or do you drink olive oil to get your fat up? Or, you know, some days people will just have this weird macronutrient allotment left over for dinner. And, you know, rather than eat a good balanced meal, they're just like eating whatever fits their macros. And it tends to be something weird like, you know, oh, I had gummy bears and olive oil or, you know, something <laughs> something weird like that. Um, so that's, that's one of the biggest errors I see. <laughs> And the flip side of that, the way to you know stay away from making that error and really the way to stay away from making most of the errors with macro counting is to think about it as a guide to shifting your habits. You know, I really like um, people to go through the process where once they've got their calorie and macronutrients calculated, then they figure out, okay, what do my normal habits look like? So they just log a week of food in my fitness pal and see, okay, left to my own devices, you know, how many calories and how much of the macros am I eating? And just compare, you know, what's my goal look like compared to what's normal for me. And then from there you can figure out like maybe, okay, maybe you're just under eating protein, everything else kind of have in balance. So then you just figure out ways to eat more protein and you focus on the habits. You'd be like, okay, you know, I can set the habit of meal prepping an extra, you know, two, three pounds of chicken thighs per week for lunch. And that'll make sure that I'm eating enough protein every day for the rest of the week. Um, so really focusing on how you can build those habits, I think is the best way to avoid most of the pitfalls, especially that, you know, oh no, I need to chug some coconut oil before bed situation. <laughs> I know my problem, not usually in my fats or my carbs. Those are usually spot on. It's the proteins I'm not getting enough of. Yeah. Yeah, that's something I noticed, especially early on, is that people struggle to eat enough protein. And then the crazy thing is when you do start eating enough protein, you really, your appetite is a lot lower just because it's such like a, a satisfying macronutrient. It really shuts down the, the hunger signals. So yeah, I, I definitely think that people can struggle with protein and it can definitely help to use a protein shake um, sometime around your workout or on days you're not working out, just usually around the time that you might get some hunger cravings or drop in energy can be a nice, uh, nice quick way to get that back up. But it really helps to plan ahead and understand, again, taking the habit-based approach, understanding what your portions of, if you're a meat eater, what your portions of meat need to look like in order to hit your protein targets. You know, if you're a plant-based eater, figuring out which plant-based foods have protein in high amounts and that you can combine to get that in. Um, I definitely think that doing a little bit of planning up front when you're taking a do-it-yourself approach uh, can really pay off in the long term. We talked a little bit about sugars. So like I, I have mindset at 50 grams a day on my, on my fitness pal. And, and most of that comes from not from fruit. Yeah. So, and I work out, I probably burn 800 calories per workout in a high intensity rate. So, but sugars are tough. Alcohol is a big one. Yeah. And where does alcohol fit in the scheme as far as, I mean, no, it's not a macro. So actually it, it kind of is a macronutrient because it, it has its own energy level and it is technically a, 
I guess, you know, to call alcohol a nutrient is interesting, but it is a nutrient that has energy that your body can okay. use. So alcohol, as I mentioned, fat and carbohydrate, or sorry, carbohydrate and protein have four calories per gram. Fat has nine. Alcohol has seven calories per gram. Okay. So yeah, so you might see that if you put like a shot of whiskey into your MyFitnessPal, you might see that it has like one gram of carbohydrates, but 120 calories. You might be like, that doesn't add up. That would, you know, one gram of carbohydrate would only be four calories, but the rest of the calories are coming from alcohol, which has seven calories per gram. Okay. So alcohol has its own little structure of calorie. Yeah, exactly. And your body, yeah, your body will actually metabolize alcohol first. Like if alcohol is in the system, obviously your body kind of wants to clear it because it sees as a, as a toxin in a way. So it's going to want to metabolize and clear it first. So there's actually some interesting research that shows a correlation between beer and fat gain, but that wine and hard alcohol have a little bit less of that, uh, that association when matched for calories. Um, yeah, but uh, you know, it's, it's, that's an interesting thing, but you know, if somebody drinks, maybe let's say just in a glass of wine at night and it puts them over their calories by a hundred calories. It's probably not the same as if they had a hundred calories of, let's say a sugary food, you know, like a hundred calorie pack of Oreos or All something right, right. like Yeah. <laughs> I love the hundred calorie cack packs. It's like, Oh, you gotta be kidding me. Yeah. So for some reason, like wine and hard alcohol seem to be metabolized a little bit differently. That's not license to then, you know, go over your calories every night with wine and hard alcohol because, you know, that that consistently over time is not going to be good. It's not necessarily that they cause you to gain weight, but what the research did find is that while that, you know, while that alcohol is in your system, your body is not going to be metabolizing fat because it has the alcohol to burn. So it kind of, you know, shuts uh-huh. down that, that fat metabolism while it's there. So Yes, you might not be gaining weight, but if your goal is to lose fat, then you know that that period while that alcohol is in your system, your body's not going to be losing any fat. Yeah, I know. I know from coaching that a lot of people tell me they had a glass of wine, but usually that glass of wine is not one glass; it's usually two or three. Well, yeah, it's the whole the whole glass is yeah. <laughs> so it's like okay, you know, they're like, Tom, I'm not losing weight. I'm like. Yeah, let's talk about this a little bit. And I'm sure you've seen that from coaching too. So, because alcohol is something that everybody, a lot of a lot of people do, not everybody, but a lot, the majority of the population drink alcohol. So, yeah. All right, I'm the show notes. I'm going to put your website, and I'm going to put the link to this calculator in there so they can sign up for that. That will, uh, so they can easily find that. Also, I'm going to put a link to your uh, podcast, Beyond Macros. I suggest you go listen to it. Uh, I'm enjoying it. It's, I've added it to my daily rotation. So when yours comes up, I get it pops up on my... So that I can listen to it. And also, one quick question. I, I, like I said, I'm really grateful you decided to come back. Let me have another shot at this. Uh, technology is not my friend. I don't know if that's a, <laughs> I don't know if that's an age thing or what, but I've solved the issue by getting a external hard drive, so I don't have enough, so I can just load these shows into the hard drive. 
Because that that's what I guess that's what caused it. I didn't have enough hard drive to store the show. So whatever. Anyway. Well, one last question while you're in, you're going to be in Australia for Christmas, I'm taking it? Yeah, I'm going to be here through January. Oh, cool. Yeah. Celebrate New Year's Eve there too? Yeah, I'm and going Sydney? camping for it. Okay, cool. No, I'm going camping up north. Okay. Uh, yeah. In the yeah. back country? Yeah. Okay. Out in the bush. Out in the bush, as they call it, yeah. Yeah. What is, one question for you before we go is, and I ask this of all my guests is what is one album or artist you could listen to for an hour if you had the time to chill and listen to an album? Oh, Led Zeppelin, Physical Graffiti. Oh, yeah. Okay. Ooh. Yeah. <laughs> I was just talking about that. But I love Led Zeppelin. In fact, yeah. I'm going to see the yeah, Zoza, uh, Zoza cover band. I don't oh, know yeah? if you've ever seen Yeah, they're here in Atlanta the end of January for two nights. They do two separate shows with two two different albums cover to cover. So, but. Oh, we were just talking about them the other night because somebody I, I was going to buy some tickets to an upcoming concert, and the tickets were like three hundred fifty dollars a piece. And oh, my geez. friend said, "I don't know if I could pay that much money to see anybody." I said, "I would pay that much money to see Led Zeppelin get back together." Yeah, and I, it's unfortunate. I had tickets actually had tickets to the tour they are getting ready to go on in nineteen eighty when John Bonham died. Oh wow! Yeah, so that, I, I'm dating myself a little bit, but anyway, man, thank you for coming back. I appreciate you. I appreciate all you're doing, and uh, check out his website, Beyond Macros. Uh, check out his podcast, Beyond Macros, and uh, have a good Christmas, brother. I will. You too, man. Thanks for having me back. Thank you for joining in today with the Rebel Health Coach, Tom Underwood. And be sure to subscribe to the show so you can catch all the episodes. With desire and commitment, you can implement a lifestyle of wellness and fitness. For the support, encouragement, and tools you need to be successful, visit TomUnderwood.net.